Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. afternoon everybody and welcome to the premiere episode of sports talk on the sports buffet radio network i'm your host lou landers i'm also a writer with major league fantasy sports and my articles are published every saturday morning so be sure to check those out i am joined here by my co-host Mr. Zach Sauer, who is also a writer with MajorLeagueFantasySports.com. His articles come out every Thursday. Zach is also my co-host on the Major League Fantasy Football Weekly Show, which we will be starting up in June. Very excited for that as well. Zach, what's going on, bud? Welcome to our first show. Yeah, man. Excited to be back on with you, Lou. I mean, getting that intro music, get me pumped up, reminded me of reminiscing about those good old football shows we had not too long ago uh over here in buffalo you know it's april it's supposed to be spring but i'm looking outside at about a foot of snow so uh it's not too uh, happy over here in terms of weather and i'm sure um you know as you are a yankee fan are not too happy with the snow coming down over here and getting their first game canceled uh with a premium pitchers matchup but other than that, man, everything's everything's going grand. Uh, as you said, uh, we both write for Major League Fantasy Sports. Great website, great content. We got some radio shows um, as well. Something I added on to the docket here, uh, writing for FantasyTeamAdvice.com, um, geared towards daily fantasy sports. I'll be posting not really an article, just uh, who you'd want to play on DraftKings in terms of um, pitchers and hitters that day for cash games which are your 50-50 or, or double up. So uh, go to fantasyteamadvice.com. You can check out um, my first article will be coming out tomorrow and just, uh, you know, look at some players that will help you win some money. So uh, go ahead and check that out. But for now, let's get into the smorgasbord of uh, topics here we have in the sports realm. Loves money, man. I've never met someone who doesn't love money. So if you play daily fantasy sports, and you want the inside track, I would definitely check out Zach's articles. 
Um, I don't think he's ever won one of those giant, like, $500,000, $1 million pots, but I know he's finished in the top five in many uh, many uh, daily fantasy sports leagues and um, does pretty well. So um, I would definitely listen to him. I know I will be, and I'll be giving him credit every single time I win money this year. So, Zach, I am putting a lot of faith in you. I hope you can <laughs> handle the pressure, man. I hope of you can course, handle that pressure. Course. But, yes, as I you work better under pressure. Uh, Let's get to this show here today. Uh, on today's show, we're going to start talking about, um, obviously, the big NCAA finals match tonight between Villanova and UNC. We are going to talk about some of the latest news reports out of the NFL. And for the rest of the show, we'll likely be talking about the start of the Major League Baseball season. What a day it was yesterday and 11 games on the docket today, I believe. Um, we will be taking live callers all show so if you have any questions or comments or want to bring up any topics to us for discussion, you can call us at 516-387-1306 and press 1 to enter the show. Before we do get started, I do want to thank our partners at RMB Music and at MajorLeagueFantasySports.com. You can tune into the Major League Fantasy Sports Baseball Show every Sunday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time till 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And you can also check out the Major League Fantasy Baseball Weekly Show on Thursdays at 8 p.m., which is hosted by myself and my co-host Kyle Amore. A happy belated birthday to you, Kyle Amore, as well. Um, without all that being said, though, Zach, let's get going with this action. And let's start with the uh, NCAA championship game tonight. Villanova, number two seed. UNC, number one seed. Both are great teams. Both have, you know, no reason why they shouldn't be playing in, in this game. Personally, I'm going to go with UNC, though. I like how their offense has played all tournament, averaging 88 points per game in the tournament. Um, I'm going to predict a final score tonight of 84 to 79 in favor of the Tar Heels. Over to you, my friend. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you on the pick with the, with the Tar Heels there. Um, they're both definitely – uh, deserving of being in this uh, final game here. Um, I believe North Carolina had a, a easier route to the final, you know, going through Providence, Indiana, Notre Dame, and Syracuse, who um, some believe shouldn't even have gotten a bit into the tournament, but that's a whole uh, other topic for another day. Um, Villanova, you know, had some tough tests going through Iowa, Miami, then number one ranked Kansas, and uh, uh, absolutely destroying Buddy Heald in Oklahoma by uh, mere 44 points. Um, I just feel like, you know, they've been shooting so good from behind the arc, Villanova, that is, that they're going to cool down a little bit. Um, North Carolina's got really, really good size down low with Bryce Johnson. I think um, that it will be a high-scoring affair, as you alluded to there, Lou, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna give the Tire Heels a win, maybe 77 to say 70, uh, but it's definitely gonna be an exciting matchup and look for some some high scoring. But uh, all the experts are saying this is an extremely close matchup and the game can go either way. Do you know what uh, Vegas has this game as? Who they have favored? I have no idea. I have no idea. I think. Enlighten me. Not sure. That's what I was uh, asking you. Um, take a quick gander. If you want to get into the next topic, I will uh, 
take a yeah, sneak well, peek yeah, go, at go, this. Go uh, for it. Go for it and, and update me. Uh, let's move over to yeah, the UNC. NFL. Two big stories. UNC by two UNC? points. By UNC two by points. two. Okay. Yeah, so. Well, I, I had them winning by five. You have them winning by seven. Um, so we'll, oh, yeah. we'll see. We're all, we're, we all have UNC, though, us and Vegas. And who, who doesn't love Vegas? Um, but seriously, let's go over to the NFL. Uh, two big storylines to follow at the moment. Uh, the incident back on February 8th with LaShawn McCoy in a nightclub in Philly. Uh, it has been determined by the courts that there will not be a lawsuit filed against him or the off-duty officers. However, due to rules in the NFL, Roger Goodell could still decide to suspend LaShawn McCoy. And I know you're a little biased as a Bills fan, but what are your thoughts on this? Do you think that it's deserving of a suspension, considering that there was no lawsuit filed and all the charges have been dropped on all sides? Um, taking all the, the bias out of it, and I think I do a pretty good job of being objective, as I always write bad about my Buffalo Bills, especially in terms of their, their fantasy outlook, but just in general terms, I don't think there should be um, a suspension handed down just because, uh, you know, there weren't any charges um, to be filed. And, uh, you know, it, it'd be hard for them to get their get their uh, feet on the ground and get something running with the suspension, not really having anything to hold on to. Um, but as a Bills fan, it's disappointing to see him um, get himself in these types of position. You know, these are – the all-star running back, and you can't have, you know, your all-star players in the offseason going out and getting in trouble. I mean, uh, look at players like Martavis Bryant, who's going to be facing a one-year suspension. I mean, you can't have um, key players to your teams going out and, and hurting themselves without even, you know, stepping foot on playing field. I'm, um, You know, I, what I mean by hurting themselves is getting themselves in trouble, and this seems to be, you know, a, a real big, uh, deal um, in, in society and sports and uh, especially football these days is these players not having their head on straight and you see it more and more in the draft process um, that players are passed upon because of their off the field issues uh, if you can remember Montez Burfecht who um, had that hit on Antonio Brown in the playoffs and who's known notoriously for being a cheap and uh, you know, whatnot player. He was graded as a first-round talent but went undrafted because of his off-the-field issues, uh, smoking marijuana and just getting in trouble um, with the police. He was, he was passed over from a, a first-round talent to, what I said, undrafted. And um, when he's playing with his head on straight and, you know, take those cheap hits out of the uh, equation, Montez Perfect is a Pro Bowl-type caliber player. So, um these players, you know, really need to get their heads on straight and um, more more so, you know, some of these players are kids' role models, you know. Um, young kids growing up, uh, really looking up to players like LaShawn McCoy, who, who is a, a ball carrier and gets all the glory. You know, this is not something you, you want your kids to see, um, you know, getting in trouble fighting um, authorities, if you will, so definitely a bad luck for LaShawn McCoy and the Buffalo Bills. Um, no word yet if Rex Ryan plans to uh, have any suspension handed down for him handing down to McCoy himself, but um, it's something we will definitely follow. 
Yeah, I got to agree with you there, especially on a, a bad look for the for him, the Bills, and the NFL. And I don't expect Rex Ryan to do anything about it, but that doesn't mean that the NFL won't try to do something about it, just to set an example. Um, the only issue I have with that, and I know we harped on it so much last year, but how can you you can't how can you suspend a guy like LaShawn McCoy for doing what he did and then not suspend Tom Brady for breaking NFL rules in an NFL playoff game? I just I just don't think it's fair. I'm not saying that McCoy shouldn't be suspended for a game or two to set the example, but if you go based on precedence, it's like how can you justify one over the other? You know, yeah, like, I understand the AP, I understand the AP one totally. I understand Ray Rice totally, totally different situations though. Right. I, totally that's, different. That's where it sits with me. You said it straight, Lou. There's you know justification of suspensions and um, deeming things fair and level. Um, I think they'd uh, make themselves look pretty idiotic if they were to hand down a suspension. Um, of LaShawn McCoy and uh, not have one for Tom Brady, uh, what you said there, breaking the rules in a playoff game. I think they just set themselves up for a disaster because even if they did hand down a suspension, because if you remember, they did for Tom Brady, um, but then it just got lifted. So say they were to do that with LaShawn McCoy, uh, suspend him for a game, and then the players' union um, fighting back and getting it lifted, it would just be another black eye for the NFL and one that's definitely not needed, as I'm sure um, their eyes are already blackened and they really don't have a, a third eye for to get black. So um, <laughs> no, I think it would be pretty. Don't. They certainly <laughs> I don't, don't think it would and, be. Uh, I mean, I think the biggest thing part. here, Zach, the biggest thing here, Zach, and I feel like you agree with me, is, and we touched upon it when we started this conversation, the fact that there was no charges filed against anybody involved in the incident at all seems to me that this is the type of thing that should just be pushed under the rug and NFL fans and people in the media should just start focusing on the NFL draft, you know, forget about, forget about what happened. There was no charges filed, push it under the rug and let's move on, you know? Right on. Yep. But that's, and that's the media coverage. Yeah. So speaking of moving on, let's go over to another topic of discussion uh, it was rumored a couple weeks ago still has not actually happened but there are still tons of talk about it and that's Colin Kaepernick being traded to the Denver Broncos there's a couple things here that are interesting to me in, in this conversation one is that Kaepernick's making a lot of money and that's one of the things that is hampering the trade right now is the Broncos are only willing to take on a certain amount of contract and they have to you know, work that out. But the bigger things to me is one, what does this mean for the 49ers? Who is going to be their quarterback in 2016, 17, if Kaepernick goes? And also the Broncos made the trade for Mark Sanchez, who's, you know, slated to be the starter right now. And I'm not saying Sanchez is a great player, but I mean, if you look back to when he started with the Jets, he took them to two straight AFC championship games when he was a rookie without nearly the same talent on offense and a similar dominant defense. So who's, who's to say that he can't do that again with the Broncos? You saw what the Broncos did last year with a very, very injury-riddled, old-looking um, pain Manning, right? So who's to say Sanchez can't do it? And if you bring in Ka- Kaepernick, what happens there? Is there become a 
quarterback controversy, which led to Brock Osweiler leaving and putting them in this position in the first place. You know, there's just so many factors to consider. But the first one I want to talk to you about is what do you think is going to happen with the Niners? Who's going to be their quarterback if Kaepernick is moved at all? Yeah, there's, there's a lot to discuss here, but with the 49ers, um, I think Blaine Gabbard's still on the roster. But I think this just opens up the door for um, Chip Kelly to have his, his pick at, at quarterback, um, whatever is left over in the draft. I think they're picking seventh or eighth. So um, definitely one of the quarterback, whether it be Carson Wentz or Jared Goff's going to go off the board probably at number two to Cleveland. Um then I think there's really no other team um, in the running for a quarterback that's that's glaring other than the, the 49ers sitting at seven or eight. So whether it be Carson Wentz or Jared Goff sitting there, um, I think that's what San Francisco is looking to do um, with this move in Colin Kaepernick. So, um, I mean, we saw last year that Blaine Gabbert was serviceable somewhat. He's definitely a lot better, a lot more mature than – how he displayed himself as a Jacksonville Jaguar, um, but he's still definitely not the answer for the for the future of their franchise. And I think they'd be looking to um, draft a quarterback. Like I said, Carson Wentz, uh, Jared Goff, maybe a Paxton Lynch. Um, if they if they felt really high on him, um, he might fit the Chip Kelly system uh, more so than a Jared Goff or Carson Wentz, who are are really um, settled in the pocket and uh, poised under pressure, um, you know, good in the pocket, whereas a Paxton Lynch is more mobile, um, more of a quick quick fleet of foot type quarterback. Um, he might fit Chip Kelly's offense better, but uh, they might not warrant him as a top 10 draft pick. So it's going to be interesting to see um, what the Niners do here uh, before the draft um, and definitely keep an eye on what they do uh, on draft day. Especially. Well, let me ask you this. You brought up a good point about fitting the Chip Kelly system. Does Colin Kaepernick not fit that system perfectly? Uh, that's what I, I... Am I missing I, something here? No, I... I like, would the Eagles not agree, have been significantly Hulk. stronger last year if Kaepernick was their quarterback? I mean, remember, the Eagles were talking about trading up to get Marcus Mariota. No, I'm not saying yeah, Kaepernick exactly. is, is, is Mariota, but they're pretty similar players. Um, and Kaepernick has he, more experience than right. Mariota does. And it's like Chip Kelly had a chance to probably try and get him last year. Now he's there and he has a quarterback he wants for that system, but now they want to trade him. It's like, it, it just, it, it's kind of mind boggling to me. Yeah. I think he just wore out his welcome and really wants out himself. Um, I think Chip probably would be happy with him staying, but I think, uh, before Chip even got to San Francisco, uh, Kaepernick was already questing trades and wanting out no matter what. So I think it's it's more on the dysfunctionality between Kaepernick and the front office um, rather than Chip Kelly and his desires and needs because I think he would definitely be happy having Kaepernick as his quarterback as, um, you know, <clears throat> Chip Kelly played against Kaepernick um, in the NCAA, you know, and he was with Oregon and Cap was with uh, Nevada. Um, and Kaepernick would have fit right in that Oregon offense. Um, I remember seeing Kaepernick run for like 80-yard touchdowns in the college and then 
you know, it was, that was when Oregon was like high flying and really kicking off and, um, you know, their quarterbacks would be running for 80 yard touchdowns. And it's just like, he could fit right in that scheme. But I think, um, like I said, he just wore out his welcome there and just wants out regardless. Yeah. And you know what, as much as he might fit the, uh, fit the bill there at the same time, it's like, do you really want a guy that doesn't want to be there? You know, like right. it's just, it's just not the type of thing that you yeah. want to be having in your organization. But let's move away from San Fran because I don't think they're going to be making much noise this year anyway. Let's move over to the Broncos, the defending Super Bowl champions. Now, Mark Sanchez, tell me what you think about him as a starter, and then after, tell me what you think um, Kaepernick could bring and who you think would get the first nod if Kaepernick was inevitably traded to Denver. This is it's kind of funny because, you know, they made the move to, to get Sanchez, um, who, you know, you aforementioned him uh, taking his team to back-to-back AFC championship title games and, you know, with without any offensive talent around him uh, and pretty much solely based off the defense, and that, that's what we saw in Denver last year. Um, now, we look at Colin Kaepernick, he did the same exact thing. He took his team to two uh, NFC titles and then kind of fell off the cliff. And, you know, so they're they're both kind of in the same um, parts of their career where, you know, they hit their high peaks, if you will, took their teams as far as they could, game before the Super Bowl. Uh, Sanchez got out and then, you know, Kaepernick making it to a Super Bowl. Um both of these te- both of these quarterbacks possibly moving to Denver would definitely uh, create an interesting um, battle here. But I really think that Sanchez would be a better fit for this offense. Um, as we saw last year, the true Kubiak system that we talked about on our radio show, uh, Lou, um, where it's more of a power run game and kind of just a quarterback that can get out of the pocket, not a running quarterback, because Brock Osweiler was not – a running quarterback whatsoever, just more mobile than Peyton Manning to to get that play action and get out of the pocket and make the throws downfield. Um, now, Colin Kaepernick may be more apt to be able to get out of the pocket as he's quicker than Mark Sanchez. He just doesn't have the same arm accuracy and touch that Mark Sanchez does. Uh, we saw Kaepernick have one of the lowest QBRs uh, ever since QBR was created not too long ago. And, I mean, the guy just throws rockets. That's it. It just seems like he's throwing, like, you know, Noah Syndergaard out there throwing 95-mile-per-hour fastballs, and he can't he can't get that second pitch, uh, a curveball, if you will, uh, to an to a open receiver. He can't make that throw over a linebacker and in between a safety, whereas Mark Sanchez can make those throws. So I think Mark Sanchez would be a better fit for this offense so it really boggles my mind while they're still trying to uh, make this deal for Kaepernick where they're going to have to pay a substantial amount of money. Um, what they're looking at right now for um, what they have set up is they're willing to pay $7 million out of his um, 11.9 that he's owed. So that's a that's a pretty big hit. That's $7 million for a guy maybe that's going to be playing back a quarterback. So um, I don't know how do you feel about these two guys and, and the Bronco offense and the, the true QBAC offense that we saw. I am definitely at the more second on half. the Mark Sanchez side. 
I am 100% on the Mark Sanchez bandwagon. Um, if I'm a Broncos fan, I would be much happier with Sanchez as quarterback, especially because he's already on the roster. That's the biggest thing to me right there. He's already there. You've already traded pretty much nothing to get him. It's like now you want to take on an, another big contract, give up another draft pick or something for a guy that could be a backup. I mean, like what's, what's the point? Kaepernick will not be any any better than Sanchez. They might be. They know. might put up. You know, they might be equally as good in because in different ways. But I don't see him being any better than Sanchez. And you already have Sanchez. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And I could go on and on about this forever, but I want to get over to the baseball side here. Uh, so we're almost about half an hour in. So uh, let's do that. And. Um, let's talk about the matchup last night, World Series matchup, uh, Mets, Royals, Harvey, Edinson, Volquez. What surprised you, if anything, about this game? Um, I don't know if there's anything that really surprised me um, other than it just continued to show the Royals just how, how they play the game, how they got to the World Series last year. Um, you know, they're not the Toronto Blue Jays where they're going to smash homers and get a lot of their runs that way. They just dink and dunk you, you know. They they take walks. They get singles. They they steal. They swipe bags. They get on base, and they knock guys through, you know. And um, it just goes to show you, you know, it's almost Billy Bean-esque that they don't have any of these uh, super superstars, if you will. I would like to say, you know, the guys like Lorenzo Cain and Hosmer, um, maybe Moustakis at a, a lower extent are, are stars, but they're not these superstars like Bryce Harper's, Josh Donaldson's of the world. Um, and it just goes to show, like, what they did last year, they faced tough pitching in the World Series going up against the flamethrowers of the Mets, and they just do what they do. They stuff to their guns. They get singles. They get doubles, and they, they continue to push guys through. Um, play hard-nosed baseball, and that's that's the way I really love how uh, the game is played in that respect. Cause there's a lot more strategic aspects to it rather than having your Edwin Encarnacion going up and hitting a home run, and then two innings later having a Joey Bats go up hitting a three-run home run. I like seeing these. You know, let's get a single, uh, we'll, we'll steal a bag, and then get another single to get the guy in, and. Um, uh, Edison Volk has pitched a, a really good game. He has pitched it up in the, the 95 to 97 mile per hour, and I think that's uh, maybe three or four ticks above where he was pitching last year at the end of the season. So um, even even with a questionable pitching staff of, of Kansas City, you know, losing Johnny Cueto, uh, if you remember, they didn't have him pretty much going into the playoffs, and then that's when Cueto started pitching well for them. So I think they're going to be – uh, front runners again to to make it back to the series if they keep playing um, this way, this kind of baseball, and uh, not have any significant injuries, if you will. You there, Lou? Yeah, I'm there. Sorry, man. I got uh, I got cut out. I was hoping you would just keep t- talking, so I'm not sure if, if you well, did Well, I or can not. keep talking. Um, <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm, you know I'm, that. I'm all good now. How 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 long were we silent for? Uh, I don't. I have no clue how long we were silent. I kept talking. I, you were silent for maybe five seconds. I just 
Oh, okay, about great, how perfect. So I, did, I didn't even have to admit that I got cut out. Now, all, all of a yeah. sudden, it's like, you are disconnected. I was like, does that mean the show's over? Like, oh, no. So I started calling back in. But, uh, yeah, what I, what I was trying to come in and say was um, the Royals, I mean, you're so right. Like, you got to love teams that can manufacture runs and timely hitting. And this is something I talked about with Eric Hosmer in, in the preseason, specifically him more than anyone else, is you saw the home run totals not yet to where people would have expected, you know, that 28 to 30 range. However, it still hit 18, but the guy had like 95 or 96 RBIs. You don't have that many yeah. RBIs with only 18 home runs unless you're hitting very well with runners in scoring position. That's what the Royals do. They manufacture runs. They single, singles, bunts, stolen bases, sack flies, advancing runners. They just do everything right. I mean, for instance, last night, Hosmer sees where the defense is, and the guy butts. First baseman bunts, slides headfirst in two to the bag for an infield bunt single. You don't see that from first baseman. Right. That's a cleanup hitter doing that. I mean, that, that right there spells like that is, that is the DNA of the Royals. One more thing I wanted to say, I don't have much to say about the Mets. This is, that was a typical Mets ball game. Good, great start, starting pitching, solid relief, um, very inconsistent offense. But the surprising thing to me was Edinson Volquez outpitched Matt Harvey, in my opinion. Yeah, that, I, I agree I mean, with that. I mean, Harvey know. pitched great, too. Nothing against Harvey. Harvey pitched like a hell of a game. I mean, some, some of those runs, as we said, were dink and dunk singles. If, you know, they got hurt by the shift a little bit, the Mets. But Edinson Volquez picked up right where he left off. And there was yeah, a lot of and, talk about people thinking he's not going to. Right. And with Matt Harvey, um, you know, he might have had a little PP problem. Maybe he had to go pee on the mound. But uh, <laughs> all, joking, all joking aside, he did pitch well. And uh, he pretty much got the toughest matchup you can have uh, for your first outing. Uh, this is a team that doesn't strike out at all. I mean, I think they stro- struck out the least of – um, all major league teams last year, so uh, you know they're going to be making contact. So you just got to hope that um, you're, you're inducing a lot of ground balls um, and getting having your defense behind you. Uh, he did pitch well, like you said, but Volquez outpitched him, and the Royals just played their their team ball and and ended up coming up with the W. So this is definitely going to be an, an interesting series. I I like how they started it off here going uh, with the World Series matchup. Um, so, yeah, yeah very, very exciting finish, too. you got to love the, dra- the drama in the ninth inning. Now, we're not right. going to get into these games, but I did want to discuss the Pirates' um, Pirates win over the cards yesterday up against Wainwright without Garrett Cole. Um, speaks volumes to me. I'm not excited about the Cardinals' offense this year at all. I think it's going to be their Achilles' heel. Um, do you have any thoughts on e- either of those teams? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i with you on their offense um, this year. It's going to be their Achilles heel. We'll see if Randall Grechuk is for real. He's slated as their cleanup hitter right now. Um, he, it's a guy that strikes out a lot, but he does. He definitely has some power potential. Um, Tommy Pham. Uh, the left fielder hitting second uh, really wasn't an, on anybody's radar until the second half of last season. Um, Steven Piscotti, uh, who I think may be their best 
overall hitter behind Matt Carpenter, um, is batting fifth. Uh, he still needs some growth in the majors. So I think their their offense is going to be their Achilles heel. But I think, um, you know, with Wayne White, Wainwright, Waka, and Carlos Martinez, um, those are three pretty much 1A pitchers, you know, ace quality, but not, not at the top tier level, but definitely can be an ace, um, you know, on a team like the Rockies, if you will. Um, none of the Pirates, their, their lineup, is what really, when it came out, uh, kind of baffled me somewhat. You know, Jason leading off, um, he he's a big on-base guy, on-base percentage guy. That's why he's in that spot. But they have players like Gregory Polanco, who um, I think should take another huge step forward this year. Um, he's got more speed than Jason. I thought maybe he'd be slated to uh, maybe lead off this year. But maybe we'll see that change um, when uh, – you know, lefties are on the mound. Jaso's not uh, that great of a hitter against lefties. Uh, but to have David Freeze batting third um, in between McCutcheon and Marte um, is definitely a wacky lineup, one that I didn't see coming. But um, here's a team that's got, you know, a couple of good pitchers in Lariano and Garrett Cole. Um, and then the, the other three, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens, you know, with Block and um, – We'll see how long it takes for Tyler Glass now to be called up. Um, that'll help solidify their rotation. But I think they'll be in the running and definitely um, be giving the Cubbies uh, their run for the money for uh, that division. Absolutely. And I was talking about this game last night on the uh, Major League Fantasy Baseball show. And my thing is, yeah, I know it's early. You don't want to look into things too much. But games like this in the division between either the Cards and Pirates, Cards and Cubs, Cubs and Pirates, are all so big, even if it's the first game of the year. Yep. Because those three yep. teams are so much more dominant than the Reds and Brewers that, you know, if the Pirates can take two of three in this series already, they already have that leg up, you know? Without um, so question. It's, it's, it, these, these games are huge, especially in a division that's this competitive. Um, don't really want to get into it much, but Jays beat the Rays yesterday 5-3. Uh, very good outing for Marcus Stroman, although it was against a very weak lineup in Tampa. Um, I think Jays fans will take that for sure. I think fantasy owners will take that as well. Um, Chris Archer struggled in the first inning, but after that was lights out, 12 Ks in five innings. Can't get, can't ask for much more than that against the Blue Jays lineup. Um, he's going to be, he's going to be great all year. Archer, no questions there. Um, any quick comments on either the Rays or Jays? I just, yeah, I want to. I want to question you. Uh, ask you a question. Um, what, how do you feel about Stroman this year? I mean, this is a guy. The uh, the Blue Jays lost Price. Um, he suffered an ACL injury last year and came back and pitched pretty lights out in the um, playoffs. And you know now is their ace this year. He's still a young guy. Um, pitches in what ninety four, ninety five range, and you know has some pretty nasty stuff. Uh, do you see this guy um, being uh, a, a Chris Archer level type pitcher for the season, or you think he's going to have some ups and downs uh, pitching in his first really full season of health? That's a great question, Zach. And personally, I'm a believer in Stroman. But what that means is that although I think he has lights out stuff 
and can be one of the more dominant pitchers in the American League, if not all of Major League Baseball. There is some question marks to me because he's never had that full workload before. He already had to throw eight innings in this first game. I would not be surprised if he doesn't go over 170 innings this year, and that's a problem to, for me if that's your ace. If you're the Blue Jays and right. that's your ace and you don't know if you can get 170 innings out of him because of um, innings limits and previous workloads and never getting that, you know, that much work in before, that is scary to me because there's a lot of question marks behind him. R.A. Dickey is very inconsistent when he's on. He's great, but very inconsistent. Um, Marco Estrada, who knows if he can duplicate what he did last year. Hap has never been good in the American League ever, so who's to say he's going to be now? And then you got Gavin Floyd slash Aaron Sanchez. Sanchez, same thing as Stroman. Never really um, – even less so, actually, because at least Stroman has had success as a starter. Sanchez has never had success as a starter. Right. He's been great in the bullpen. So that's a question mark. And then Gavin Floyd. Like, who's Gavin Floyd? He hasn't been good in, like, six or seven seasons. He couldn't yeah. cut it with, right. with, you know, a last-place caliber team in the White Sox last year. Who's to say he can cut right. it with a – American League East champs, right? So there's a lot of question marks in that rotation. They really need right. Roman to be amazing when he pitches. I think he can be. I would just temper expectations because I feel like they're going to have to skip some starts or, you know, he might get some shoulder tendonitis or something that might slow him down just a little bit. I'm going to say one thing quickly here, just uh, where I think Stroman can become that next level ace um, where Archer is. But uh, the one thing that scares me about Archer um, and he struggled with it at times last year, was his command um, in walking batters. He had three walks uh, yesterday, and through five innings pitched, his pitch count was 107 um, with 66 strikes, whereas Stroman went eight innings deep um, and still uh, was held under 100 pitches. He went for 98 and only walked one guy. So um, if Archer has command issues on um, – you know, any of his starts, that's where he gets himself in trouble and starts getting his pitch count high. And um, sometimes he doesn't make it deep in games because of that reason. He does have the potential, like we saw yesterday, to strike out 12 guys in five innings. But imagine if we could get Archer to, say, the seventh or eighth inning um, with 100 pitches, you know, maybe getting up into the 14, 15 uh, K range. So something to keep an eye on um, with both of these pitchers going forward. Uh, Stroman having pretty solid command, and Archer um, sometimes can lose it at times. So it's going to be something to to look at, uh, see if Archer can become a Cy Young candidate. The command really is going to have to hone in this year. Yeah, so that's a very fair point. To be fair to Archer, though, um, you know, I believe he threw almost 45 pitches in those first two innings. And the first inning was just – he just couldn't locate that fastball. He was throwing them up in the zone, um, just not yeah. having the success. Usually his command is much better. I don't expect him to be at 45 pitches through two innings very often this year. Yeah. He's, he's almost a lock for a qual- for at least six innings um, and, like, you know, two two to three runs in almost every start. He's a quality start right. machine. I would not worry about him. Um, but but let's, let's move on to a couple games um, to talk about – from from today and Tuesday. At least let's get through those games. Um, let's start with the Seattle Mariners at Texas Rangers and a great pitching matchup on paper. Felix Hernandez, Cole Hamels in Texas. 
what do you which team do you have here? Which starter do you like more in in this matchup specifically? And what do you expect from both of them? Um, I expect I expect dominance from both of them. Um, you know, Cole Hamels when he was traded after you know his uh, no hitter from the Phillies last year, and then traded to um, the AL. People thought he was going to struggle. Um, but he didn't. He he pitched really great for the Rangers down the stretch and then into the postseason as well. Um, Felix had some struggles uh, last year, but um, you know the guys pitched so many innings. Uh, I can't I can't remember the the um, inning limited or amount of innings he's had at what age, but it's something astronomical. Like no other pitchers really come close in this era, um, but. Since Felix will be fresh, I expect both of them to have um, really great starts. The Seattle lineup doesn't really scare me all that much. We know Nelson Cruz there. Those are very left-handed heavy. Heavy, yeah. They got Aoki, Cano, Lind, Seager. I feel like I'm missing another key left-handed hitter in that lineup. But, yeah, they're big hitters. Franklin well, Gutierrez. Gutierrez actually hits lefties pretty well because he's a righty. Right, yeah, he's their big hitters besides Cruz. Like their main hitters besides Cruz are are left-handed. So it's right. a good matchup for Hamels. Like, like I think Felix is still the better pitcher, but I like the matchup much more for Hamels in Texas today specifically. Um, let's go to Boston and Cleveland. This is newly acquired. Two hundred and eighteen million, I believe it was the two hundred eighteen million dollar man and David Price versus Corey Kluber, the two thousand and fourteen American League Cy Young Award winner. Another great pitching matchup. Um, we all know Cleveland has the pitching staff at least three deep, very talented. Um, we don't know what we're going to get from their offense, especially Ooh, until the, uh, Michael Brantley's back. Game's postponed um, today. I think it looks like. Oh, is it? Yeah. Well, that makes sense. There's there's tons of. Uh, yeah. There's tons and tons of um no, going out on, here, on yeah. the Northeast. But I mean that, 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 so this will be the matchup tomorrow though, right? This will be the matchup right. tomorrow instead. So tell me what your thoughts are. Uh Red Sox with a lot of changes. Do you think Kluber is gonna be more like the two thousand fourteen self or you think uh we'll kind of see a balance between that Cy Young season and last year's above average season? I think we'll see more the Cy Young season, he had one of the most unlucky seasons, um, or first half of the seasons, if you will. Some of the uh, sabermetric numbers that I'm not going to get into um, you know, in terms of fantasy that really showed how unlucky um, some of his games were. But I think we'll see more of the Cy Young for Kluber. Um, now, on the other side, I, I do like Boston's um, – lineup in terms of hitting. I like some of the, the young guns there with Mookie Betts and Xander Bogarts. You throw in David Ortiz, who, who um, you know, always is a threat. Uh, Travis Shaw, who I, I really do like, and I I was uh, very surprised yet um, happy that they made that move from Sandoval to Shaw because he did show um, at times last year that he was ready to be a major league hitter um, so I think <clears throat> although Kluber does have, you know, the double-digit K potential, um, this Boston lineup can wear you out if you're not on your game. Um, so and if we're looking at the other side for David Price, um, going against the Indians without Michael Brantley, um, 
I think he's got the better matchup here. Uh, Boston's got the more potent lineup. Um, Cleveland's really no one in that lineup that, that scares me. It depends what Jason Kipnis will see, what Jan Gomes will see. Um, Carlos Santana is just Carlos Santana. He's that guy that's uh, got a good OBP, but other than that, it's never really lived up to the hype that he was brought up with. So I think uh, Austin will come out with the win here. David Price will probably go six or seven deep. We can expect eight to nine Ks. And, um, I think Kluber still can pitch well and uh, maybe have a, a double-digit K uh, day as well. I just like Boston's lineup more so than Cleveland's. Yeah, I would have to agree with that for sure. I don't like the Indians lineup at all. Uh, let's go over to White Sox and A's. This is Chris Sale, who's my pick for the American League Cy Young Award this season. And Sonny Gray is pretty much the only bright spot in the Oakland A's rotation, if not their entire roster. Um, Gray, great pitcher, but I really like what the White Sox did this offseason. Their acquisitions, I really like uh, – the addition of Austin Jackson in center field, moving Eaton to left, and Abby Sale staying in right really straightens up their outfield defense. Malky can now DH because of that whole LaRoche situation. Uh, Todd Fraser, much better bat and glove at third base than they had last year, and Brett Lowry, same thing, much better glove and bat at second base than the White Sox had last year. Uh, rotation, pretty similar. I mean, yeah, they lost to Marja, but... Uh, I think Rodon's going to take a next step. Quintana's only getting better. And I like the addition of Matt Latos for them. If he's healthy, this is a guy that's, when he's healthy, he's always put up good K numbers. He's also the only right-handed starter in their rotation right now, which means he's playing a very big role for them. And I just don't think the A's have anything going for them. Their offense is subpar. Their pitching after Gray is subpar. I do like Madsen and Doolittle in the back of the bullpen but they have to have a lead to get to those guys to make them valuable. What are your thoughts on White Sox, A, Sale versus Gray? Yeah, I'll make this uh, a quick one. I've never been a huge fan of Sonny Gray, um, so I don't want to pummel him. He he is a good MLB pitcher. Uh, I just don't think he's the, the ace that uh, some people think. He's, he just doesn't have, like, super dominating stuff that, you know, Chris Sale does. He, he just eats innings, uh, what you like from uh, a starting pitcher. He just doesn't have that electric stuff that um, can get guys out at his own will if need be. Um, seems like he always ends up with, you know, seven inning pitch, three strikeouts, maybe four strikeouts. And you look at a Chris Sale box score, um, you know, six innings, 12 Ks, um, all the additions you said with the White Sox, I agree. I love all those additions. Um, I actually think they have a, a pretty good shot at winning um, their division. I like Carlos Rondon to take a, a nice step forward. He really showed um, at the second half of last year that um, when he commanded his fastball that he has electric stuff. I think Jose Quintana is an underrated pitcher. Um, he's just an inning eater. Um, he's got good stuff, so I think with, you know, the addition to of uh, Frazier to go alongside Abreu and a guy like Adam Eaton, who is way undervalued um, in terms of what he can do on the baseball field. Uh, one of my articles that I wrote for uh, ranking fantasy outfielders, I compared a blind, a blind study, if you will, of um, two 
flash lines, and uh, they were pretty similar. And one was of Adam Eaton, one was Mookie Betts, and they had about a 40-player difference in between them with the numbers almost looking identical. So I do like their lineup, and they have a above-average pitching staff. So I think the White Sox outlook for this year is has a lot more glimpse of hope than it did last year. Um, and the athletics are definitely just um, scraping it back and uh, hoping that they can, you know, get some trade value out of Rich Hill if he pitches like he did at the end of the season, maybe move him for some pieces. Um, he's 35 years old and at the end of his career pretty much. They brought in Chris Davis and Danny Valencia, but that's still not going to help um, their offense like they needed to to uh, um, compete in their division. Yeah, the A's are just the, the kings of you know stopgap type players, hoping to get hoping right. to get the best seasons of their careers out of them. And yeah, Valencia could be okay, and Chris Davis will hit some home runs. But this is just not not like this offense might score more runs than the one of the Tampa Bay Rays. But I would much rather face Oakland's offense than Tampa's, um, if that yeah. makes any sense to you. Um, no, let's it go over does. to. Let's go over to two matchups uh, we expect to be tomorrow. And the first one is the L.A. Dodgers and the San Diego Padres. And really, it's just a funny matchup when you think about it. Scott Casimir versus James Shields, two former uh, Tampa Bay Rays farmhands and aces, guys that really helped them uh, get to that World Series back in 2008. And now, obviously, pitching in the National League, two completely different teams, two completely different stories. Um, what do you have for me here? Do you like either of these pitchers this year? Do you think they've kind of, do you think they've kind of, they kind of passed their prime? Uh, who do you like more in this matchup? Casimir versus the Padres or Shields versus the Dodgers? What do you got? Uh, I think both of these pitchers are just past their prime a little bit. I think James Shields has a little bit more um, upside, if you will, in terms of uh, of strikeouts and um, just. Uh, an arsenal of pitches, um, I think, is better than what Scott Kazmier has. I think the Dodgers just brought Kazmier in to help eat up innings behind Kershaw because um, he can go deep in games if um, all his pitches are working. Um, but in this game itself, I like Kazmier to get the win just because of what the Dodgers lineup looks like compared to um, what the Padres lineup looks like. Uh, pretty much all the Padres look like is um, L.A.'s former Matt Kemp. Um, and then pretty much after that or before that, there's there's nothing that really scares you there. I mean, um, and then you look at the Dodgers lineup, um, which is somewhat potent. You know, they still have Adrian Gonzalez. Uh, we'll see Corey Seager. Um, Yasiel Puig expected to take a, a bounce-back season here. So I expect uh, the Dodgers to uh, – you know, take this game and Shields showed last year that he has a uh, propensity to implode at times. Um, or you could have a eight inning shutout with nine K's. It depends on what James Shields we get. We can get that or we can get the Shields. So that's going to give up six runs and four walks through four innings. So um, I think James Shields has uh, a higher chance to implode uh, than Cashmere, but I also think that uh, James Shields has a higher ceiling than Casimir as well. 
kind of a double-edged sword. Yeah, moving forward, moving forward, like throughout the whole year, I would say Shields definitely has more upside. One thing I'm also shocked about is why isn't Shields getting the opening day nod? Why is it Tyson Ross? Nothing against Tyson Ross, but it's not like he was so great last year either. Um, Shields is their big money man. They're, you know, they call him Big Game James. Um, like, what are your thoughts on that? Do you, do you think something's up? Like, I did hear rumors last week that Shields might be on the move. The Red Sox were expressing a lot of interest in acquiring him. Yeah. Uh, do you think that I, might have anything to do with it? Do you think maybe yeah, he's I think, not as happy there as he thought he would be? I think that definitely could be a, a big proponent of um, sending Shields out there as their guy to, you know, maybe chuck up the value of of a deal that could be in place. I heard a lot of that, too, that um, James Shields and another player, um, another prominent player, I can't remember if it was Tyson Ross maybe even, um, that would be moved to the Red Sox or another team for a, a pretty big deal. So I think that definitely could have a hand in what's going on and, you know, pitching Shields out first saying, hey, this is our ace, so if you want him, you're gonna to have to you're gonna to have to pay, you know, an ace price. And I'm hoping that the Padres get a couple good starts out of him and then be able to move him on a high note, you know. So I think that's a good point there, Lou. No, definitely. And um, let's go over to the Astros and Yankees. Supposed to be playing right now, uh, are not due to weather. Tomorrow's matchup is the exact matchup from the AL wildcard game, and that's Dallas Keuchel versus Masahiro Tanaka in New York. So what do you got? I mean, we know that Keuchel is great. Is he going to repeat last year? Very well could. Yankees are a left-handed, primarily left-handed type of lineup. He could really do a very good job against them. But on the other hand, Tanaka's a righty, and the Astros are kind of the opposite of the Yankees. They're a very right-handed lineup and it's just it's a very interesting pitching matchup against two teams that expect to be in the race come September what do you what what are your thoughts on this matchup and then even the rest of the series I mean this matchup in my opinion goes to Keiko but after that I mean nothing against Cole McHugh or Mike Fires but I kind of prefer Pineda over either of those guys and then um Evaldi is hit, hit or miss. He's got great stuff, but I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure I love the Astros rotation after Keiko. Yeah, and I would have to agree with you. I think I'm a little bit higher on Tom McHugh than um, others maybe. I think he's, you know, a guy kind of like what I said with Kashmir. He's a, he's a good innings eater. Doesn't have super dominant stuff, but he can get you deep in games, get you to get that bullpen. Uh, maybe in the seventh or eighth inning without too much damage. But going back to the Keiko Tanaka, um, you know, as far as the first game, who knows what we'll see. It's the first game um, for pitchers and hitters. Uh, I want to look at the the whole outlook of the season itself and what you think here. I think the Astros will um, do do much of the same they did last year. I think uh, Keiko is due for some regression, definitely. I don't think he can repeat the numbers he did last year, but I think uh, if he could pitch to, say, 80% or 90% of what he did last year, um, the organization would be really, really happy. Um, I think um, with both of these teams, there's one word that can really describe 
um, which way their their season is going to go, and that's health. Health is a, a big word here. Talking about guys like George Springer, um, who could be a com- complete monster if he stays healthy, a 30-30 type guy. Um, and you Cargo. look at Cargo, uh, Cargo as well, batting fifth. Uh, also health concern, but he was a guy, um, you know, in the fantasy realm that was taken in the first round and was disappointed because of lingering issues. Um, and then Tanaka as well, you know, if he could stay healthy for a full year, he could he could be that ace ace kind of guy. And then you know, with the um, Yankees one and two hitter with you know Ellsbury and Gardner, if those guys stay healthy, um, you need those placeholders at the top of your order. Um, but without those guys, um, you know, they're gonna they're gonna have a tough time getting people on base and moving them forward. So. You as a Yankee fan, what what is your outlook of the Yankees this year? What can we expect from their lineup, um, some of their veterans? Guys like Aaron Hicks, do you think he's going to get a lot of playing time more so than just um, against lefties? Do you think he'll earn his earn well, a bigger role? Well, I think he's going to get playing time versus lefties for sure, like you mentioned. But there's also, I mean, Ellsbury and Gardner are just injuries waiting to happen at this point. Right. One of them, it's very, like, I don't think the Yankees will get more than 85 games where both of them are in the lineup together, whether that's because right. of an injury or because they're playing a lefty, which is not good. I mean, I like right, right. Hicks. I think the move to New York is going to be good for him. I, I'm, I'm a fan of his. Um, yeah. But I just I just don't know what to expect now. If they're if Ellsbury and Gardner go down, it might actually be a blessing in disguise because Hicks could play center and then they could bring up Aaron Judge and stick him Aaron in left Judge, field. Aaron Judge, yeah, right. Um, although he's more of a right fielder, they're not going to move Beltron from right to left. And Beltron's left, another yeah. guy. He could be great if he's healthy. Injury waiting he's to happen. He's getting up there. Yeah, he's getting up there. In 38. So the second the guy like that goes, one of these guys goes down, we're going to see Aaron Judge very, very likely. Guy has tremendous power. Um, so that's something I'm looking to. I mean, obviously, the age you mentioned, Teixeira's getting up there in age. He's had injury issues. A-Rod strictly DHing, but, I mean, the guy could, you know, try to go, try to go first to third and pull a hammy or something. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. McCann, McCann yeah. is really the most constant guy I would have as a right. Yankee. Um, if I'm going to own a Yankee in fantasy or just, you know, rely on a guy, I would say McCann's the guy. Uh, very durable yep. catcher, great power bat, uh, can drive Underrated. the ball out of the ballpark. Yes. Um, so he's a guy I like. And I like Starlin Castro to do well in New York as well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like, like you mentioned, man, it, it's 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 all about health for the Yankees. The Astros, at least, are a younger ball club. Um, they have they have you know a lot of guys they could call up and re- replace other players with. Whereas the Yankees have you know three or four solid prospects. But after that, it's like they're going to have to go out into the trade market if something yeah. really serious happens. Um, but let's let's try and fit one more game in here, and I want to talk a little bit about your Marlins, actually. Uh, Tigers and Marlins matching up Wednesday. Anibal Sanchez coming off a disastrous season last year. He is a former Marlin, though. And then we got Jose Fernandez, easily one of the best pitchers in the National League, um, back for his first full season since the uh, Tommy John surgery. Obviously, um, this pitching matchup is in favor of the Marlins. However, the Tigers do have a pretty potent lineup. They will not have Victor Martinez, though, because they are playing in the National League, which definitely goes to the Marlins' favor. But tell me your thoughts on uh, this pitching matchup 
and this series, I think the Marlins can take two out of three at least from the Tigers. Um, well, I'll say one thing. I think Anibal Sanchez will have uh, somewhat of a bounce back season. I don't think he could pitch any worse than he did last year. Um, I like what the Tigers did in the offseason. Um, getting Justin Upton put in that lineup uh, just with a couple of power hitters and, and Miggy and J.D. Martinez, who's consistent as ever. And uh, I wonder what Houston's thinking now, how they pretty much gave him away, and he's become maybe a top 15 outfielder. Um, so I really like the, the Tigers' um, lineup, you know, and set with Kinsler as well. But if Jose Fernandez is on his game, he's almost a matchup-proof guy. Um, he, he could go, you know, seven, eight deep in double-digit Ks, um, pretty much any outing. So I'm excited to see him um, pitch for a full season. Uh, you know, they may put an innings cap on him, especially if they're not going to be in contention, which it doesn't look like they will be. Uh, we'll see if Stanton can stay healthy for a full year. That's another big if. But there's, there's a couple other guys there that I really liked in their lineup, the Marlins, that, um, you know, with Barry Bonds being the hitting coach and helping these guys out, Kristen Yelich, I think, um, is up for a big breakout season. Um, he's a guy that can go like 30-30, uh, George Springer-type numbers, but not um, with the name recognition that Springer has. Marcelo Zuna um, is a a good player as well who had a down season who also um, has some real upside if he can get his bat going. Uh, we saw Justin Bohr last year. He's a solid power source for their lineup. Dee Gordon, obviously, the, the the placeholder there at the top, you know, get 50, 60 stolen bases, uh, power guy behind him. I think they definitely win more games than they did last year. Um, just behind Fernandez, though, there's not enough pitching there that I think will keep them in contention. Um, so I think, you know, the Tigers probably take two out of three here after Fernandez, maybe even get a win um, against Fernandez if Anibal Sanchez pitches well. But, um, you know, the, the the arrow's pointing up for the Marlins, but they're not there yet. So it's going to take some time. Yeah, um, they but, are definitely still lacking at least one more starting pitcher. But, I mean, you never yeah. know. You're how, if, if your outfield stays healthy in Florida, sorry, in Miami, and Fernandez is healthy, and Wei and Chen pitch as well, and Kozar bounces back, uh, you never know. You just never, ever right. know. It's going to be a tough division, though, pitching-wise, especially with the Mets and the Nationals. Uh, Tigers definitely should be better than they were last year. I think the Marlins will be too. These are definitely two interesting teams to watch. I would say these are teams on the bubble with the opportunity to maybe make some noise, but likely will fall a little short. But Zach, we're very, very low on time now, man. Uh, So let's wrap this up. But awesome show today, buddy. Anything else you want to say to the listeners? No, it was, it was a great show, and uh, definitely tune in next week. We'll be uh, talking talking more buffet, if you will. Come on in and eat as much as you want. We'll have it all on display for you. And uh, as Lou said at the beginning, feel free to call in and just join the discussion. You know, ask us questions. Tell us why we're wrong. Tell us why we're right. Um, so looking forward to having this weekly show with you, my friend, at the covering pretty much the east coast and the west coast here so let's uh let's keep crushing it my friend and uh look forward to talking to you next week absolutely man and uh we might be making it an hour and a half runtime 
as well. So that just means more food for everybody, more food for your thoughts. Um, right. I do want to remind everyone to tune in to Major League Fantasy Baseball Weekly every Thursday night. I host that alongside my co-host, Kyle Amore. It runs from 8 p.m. Eastern to 10 p.m. Eastern. Please also check out the Major League Fantasy Sports Baseball Show, which is every Sunday night at 7 p.m. Eastern to 9 p.m. Eastern, and that is hosted by Mr. Corey D. Roberts. I want to thank our partners at RMB Music and MajorLeagueFantasySports.com. Thank you to everyone who contributed to our show here today. On behalf of Zach and myself, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Lou Landers. We'll be back next week on Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Have a great week, everybody. Good luck in your fantasy leagues. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.